this morning, guess what we're going to talk about? <laughs> Encourage one another. Isn't that exciting? Oh, you guys are really into this. Okay, let's get into this then. Encourage one another. Why? Because Scripture says so. So that's one. If you, if you want to pull a rule out, you can say we have to because the Bible says so. Or you can do this. I'm going to because I want to. And even if you don't want to, there's a reason you don't want to. You need to find out why you don't want to because it isn't the real you that doesn't want to. You need to find out the real you. The real you wants to because you are in union with Christ. I don't know if you heard that song or the last line of one of those verses. You know, I, I'm, we're one, Christ and us, we're one with him. Our union life in Christ compels us to love others. If we're not listening to that and responding to it, then we're listening to other voices that did not come from the Spirit of Christ in us. So that's really important. So I want to show you some scriptures just to show you that it's a common theme to encourage one another. First of all, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, it does not say the happiness of the Lord is my strength. It says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I have found this verse to become more and more true the more I walk through difficult things. Because difficulties can rob us of happiness, of feeling good. In fact, a lot of heaviness can come. Uh, that just stirs up emotions and we don't feel like being joyful or thankful or anything like that. We're consumed with our circumstances. But this is talking about joy, an inner state of being, the joy of the Lord, His joy being our strength to endure through circumstances. And that becomes contagious. It's a, it's a perspective that's critical. James 1 Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Well, right there, pause for just a minute. That does not mean go, when something really crappy go, hits you, you go, yay, something bad's happening, oh, how wonderful. Oh, praise the Lord, something terrible's happening. There are people that do teach that. Yes. Growing up, I was exposed to that uh, through certain Bible studies that were happening and, and uh, certain movements in the evangelical church that were joy boys. And uh, they, they, they took it and made it something it was never meant to be. It says, consider pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I believe the faith you have is a gift to you by Christ, from Christ. It's that faith that will be the perseverance for you. You can't muster up the perseverance. You're being given opportunities. I promise you, people who do not go through difficulties, well, they really, frankly, don't have to think about God a whole lot. That's usually what happens. Now, there are others who are maturing and growing and realizing their attention is being drawn to the Holy Spirit into what the Father is saying to them, and that's a natural response. But if you're used to living your life based on your circumstances when things are bad, you cry out to God, help me, help you, just do this, I'll change everything, and you have your prayer. But if things are really good, oh yeah, all right, oh, it sucks for you, man, sorry, you're going through that, oh yeah, and just go on your life. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be the living Christ, among God's children, all those he created. It gets better. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful 
in God, my Savior, not my circumstances. And that's where the Joy Boy group was making it all wrong. They're making their circumstances their joy. Your joy's in the Lord. Big difference. Like, here's your great wine fest. Literally, grapes, get it? Wine fest. But those who share all this crappy stuff's happening to me, all this tragedy's hitting me. A friend of mine's going through unbelievable stuff. In the last four years, I swear his middle name's Job. It's brutal. Sad to see. But I know this is at the core of their heart. It really is. This is the source of strength from where they're living from, even though things still keep happening one after another. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Not my circumstances. If our circumstances are making us fear, that means the circumstances are drawing our attention away from our Savior who lives in us. Don't let your circumstances determine your attitude. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If you know who your strength is, who your life is, then really, what is there to be afraid of? Honestly. And that means you have to stop, screech to a halt in life, and recognize who your source is. It is He, the Lord. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. Who is your strength? It is the Lord. I love this. I will trust in him and not be afraid. It says the Lord God is my strength. Let me clarify something real quick because there's a, uh, you hear it all the time, even some of the songs we sing, it talks about getting stronger for the Lord. That is not what the scriptures teach at all. Be strong in the Lord, not for the Lord. If it's for the Lord, the focus is on you and you becoming stronger. You don't have strength independent of Christ. Neither do I. We draw from his strength. His strength is my strength. And when his strength comes out, oh my goodness, how strong is that strength? Oh, and suddenly there's joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's amazing what the recognition of identity matters when we're walking through stuff. It's amazing. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by, listen, Prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding. This is a beautiful verse. We should come back to that at the very end, but uh, I have another one in mind at that point. But this is a wonderful verse to remind us, rejoice in the Lord. So you talk about encouraging one another. First of all, you find your encouragement in the Lord. Then you can encourage someone else. Right? That makes sense to me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. That's two different things. Sometimes we think the weights are sins. Not true. We burden ourselves with stuff, taking on too much. Not that I know anything about that at all. You know? We, we know how to do that really well. 
Our busyness, our, our, the, thing, the things we get dragged into, even good things can be weights. And then it says, and then the sin. Stop the sinning. Grace does not mean you get to sin because it's totally forgiven anyway. Wrong attitude. That's not the spirit of Christ thinking his thoughts through you. That's flesh saying, I can get away with it now. Grace will say, no way. That does not reflect who I am. And the more the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, your consciousness of those sins goes away. It's beautiful because then your focus and direction is totally on him. Beautiful picture. And let us run, not walk, with endurance. The race, that's right, who, who walks in a race? Actually, there's a couple walking races, but very few. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. This is a whole sermon in and of itself, but I'm not going to do that to you today. Encourage each other. Hebrews 10, 24. I love this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. When was the last time you stopped to think of how you can be motivated to good works or to motivate one another to good works? Usually it's, I'm just responding to the stuff going on around me, but he wants to initiate good works in us already that he's already planned for you to do. There's much doing. Yes, we rest in grace, but the rest of grace is working. There's much doing, but you shouldn't be doing until you know grace and identity. Otherwise, you try to do it from self-strength. But now that you know your identity and can rest in Christ, we work from the place of rest, and there's much work to be done. Much. Another translation says, let's see how inventive we can be, encouraging love and helping out. Or the Mirror Bible. It says, let us also think of creative ways by which we can influence one another to find inspired expression in doing things that benefit others. Good actions give voice and volume to the love of God. Wow. We're to encourage each other with this. I know there are times I'm, I'm giving ideas up front and, and uh, some people could easily say, that's nice for everybody else to do. What if the Holy Spirit actually is nudging you? Or people have come up to me and say, here's a great idea for something the church should do. Really? That's wonderful. Who's going to do it? Well, you, pastor, of course. No. I think if he's planting stuff in your heart, now people are going to shut up and not say a single word or they'll be asked to do it. But anyway, it's still true. What if he is initiating something in you? An idea that's not even religious. Weird, eh? It could be loving people in, in different ways that are not here part of the church. I think sometimes churches have way too many programs. And we have no time to go love the people in the community because we're so busy. We're not, not, not a fellowship, really, because we're very not busy at all. <laughs> um, there are activities that can keep us going. And there are better ways for us to connect and opportunities are coming for that. But if you can't come up with ideas, how about you jump on board to something that's being introduced and let that be a trigger, a motivator for what God could be you, doing through you as a result of that. Trust him on that. Encourage each other. Barnabas is a fantastic picture of encouragement. 
Acts 4, verse 36 says this. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. Then we have somebody else. Barnabas comes up again and introduces Paul. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet the believers, but they were all afraid of Saul, Paul at the time. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told him how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So first of all, his name is Son of Encouragement. Secondly, Saul comes to a place where he's not trusted at all. His message was not trusted. Do you ever hear teachers that are just too weird and wacko? But then you have a trusted friend who says, do you know what? It may sound weird, but I've heard the guy's heart or the girl's heart, and I know it's a good message. Re-listen. There's something good there. And you do it because you trust your friend, not so much the person. There's a lot of that going on, especially when you grow in grace and identity and discover the finished works of the cross in a more profound way. And what I'm finding, I'm finding a step back into further history, having to look what the early church fathers believed, because some of it doesn't seem to be the same terminology as today. It doesn't mean the same thing anymore. What changed? Where did it switch? What happened? It's been exciting. So now I'm able to see more perspectives, and I have a greater respect for multiple views. And it's not my job to get everybody on the same view. At all. It's not my job. Acts 11. By the way, are you going to be that kind of a person? Are you, could you be the encourager to somebody who seems to be rejecting grace? And you could be the one who's trusted to say, you know what, they're not nuts. It may sound like it, but they're not nuts. And because you have that trusted relationship, you can then encourage somebody to grow. Be the Barnabas coming alongside. You don't have to be the teacher. You're the encourager, and that's your gift. Is that enough? Is that okay? <coughs> this year, love for this church family to each one reach one. Each one connect with just one person this year. One. And it doesn't mean, oh, i got to make my list of contacts. Who can I invite? Oh, first of all, I'll check my church contacts, just like every networking marketing company does. You, know? you first check your church list, then your friends, then your neighbors. And I don't mean any of that at all. At all. In fact, here's what I'm going to recommend. If you want to join us, if the Holy Spirit turns it on in your heart, each one reach one, even invite one. And let's do this. Pray. Holy Spirit, when you present the person to me that I'm to open up to and talk to, make it clear to me, please. Make it clear. You know I'm stubborn. Okay, good. Just ask him to do that. And at the right time, your antenna will be up looking now. Ooh, I wonder who God has for me today or this week. Or it may only be in, they're waiting until Christmas time. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing because he's waiting in months from now. That's when your time comes. But your antenna's up. You're on guard already. Because the message you have is not yours to keep. The good news you have is to share. If this church is just a place to come and, ooh, let's clap and praise the Lord together for all the goodness we have learned and keep it to ourselves, I don't want anything to do with this. 
I want to encourage the saints because that's my pastor heart. But I also know the community needs to hear this. I'm meeting people every single week who are hungry for authentic faith, not religion. Religion is a system of rules trying to bind up people to control them, to sieve money from them, to sieve control and duties and sign them up for lists and lists and lists of things. But here, we do it out of our motivation for the love of Christ. The actions can look the same, but our motivation is completely different. I don't ever want to give that up, ever. Then in Acts 11, 22, Barnabas goes to Antioch. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. So this encouraging guy, he did not sign up to be a leader. And yet the church recognized his gift of encouragement and said, ooh, he'll be good. Let's send him to Antioch because he'll bring the gentle, trusted encouragement. And they sent him. And what happened? He benefited. He benefited. Just like Emily's going to benefit from this trip. Barnabas benefited. He was filled with the joy of the Lord. Amazing. When we step out in faith and just step through to engage in those conversations we, we may not normally do, you'd be surprised what comes back to encourage you. Next, not only was he sent to Antioch, Barnabas was sent to Tarsus. When Barnabas went on to Tarsus, to look for Saul, when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. It's almost like a, uh, what do you call those, uh, if you're a bad person, have a warrant out, and somebody goes after what? Bounty hunter, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a grace bounty hunter, that's awesome. I'm just kidding. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and when they arrived, they saw the evidence. But then, it says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. First place. See, Paul was not a Christian. <laughs> they just made up the term here. It's pretty interesting. It's a label. It gets better. You see how the encouragement from within, how it can have an effect? Okay. But life isn't always wonderful and rosy. So far, this has been a really beautiful picture. Oh, that's so wonderful. They praise the Lord. They love the Lord. They're doing everything together. Everything's going right. Uh, if you've been in church for any period of time, guaranteed you will have conflict. We call it church crap. Christian rules and procedures. Okay, some of you guys have heard that before. But it happens when you put people together. Personalities will clash. Misunderstandings will rise to the surface and it pays a heavy price. Saint Paul, the apostle, and our brother Barnabas, the encourager, have a fight. Here we go. In Acts 15, 36, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit each city we were previously, where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed. That's wonderful. And wanted to take along John Mark, 
But Paul, John Mark, I don't think so. He disagreed strongly since John Mark had previously deserted them in Pamphylia, some city, and had not continued with them in their work. This agreement, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Whoa! Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and he left. The believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Wow! Two top dogs. Who's right? Who's wrong? Let me tell you, do not answer that question. It's not the question of right or wrong. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that fruit. Do you think the Holy Spirit was at work in this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Doesn't mean we go, yay, a conflict. That, this, no, that's silly. That's joy boy people. Not at all. Here, this was so serious. Here's something that happened. While Saul was so adamant about what he was doing, so focused, I have a hunch, he forgot to look at the heart. He misjudged John Mark. Have you ever been misunderstood? Have you said something and people took it the wrong way? Or you said something, but it was heard this way, but that's not what you said. But they heard it this way, so it must, have mean, it must mean you said it that, like that. Well, no. The, those conflicts happen all the time. We have to learn how to get along. There's some lessons to be learned from this. Even Paul and Barnabas having a disagreement. If we witness it here, do you know what? It's okay. It's not great. I hate it. But it's not the end of the world. And God can use it. We, be, we need to be careful not to judge harshly. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Next, Paul and Mark work it out. Look at that. Now we're looking in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy 4. Timothy, please come as soon as you can, is a letter that Saul writes. Demas has deserted me because he loves things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus has gone to Demaltia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful with me in my ministry. How do you think that happened? I'll tell you what I think. This is, I can't find it in scripture, but I see evidence of something. Do you remember when Saul was totally misunderstood and scared the daylights out of the believers? Who came along to convince the believers that Saul was okay? Barnabas. Okay, Mark, so misunderstood, so, oh, I, he screwed up, oops. Who came along to Paul to convince Paul Mark's heart was good? Barnabas. Don't you ever underestimate the power of encouragement, gentleness, trustability. If you're constantly a loose cannon in your tone and demeanor, you're going to be very untrusted in many ways. You're, just least, you're less teachable. Not that you aren't. You're just less teachable. But coming around it gently, seeking to understand, seeking to be understood, these traits are critical. Not everybody has them. We need the fireballs. We need the really gentle, quiet people. We need everybody. Nobody's gift is better than another person's. Because the gift is Jesus. We talk about all these spiritual gifts. Uh, that's nice. You can have your labels. But I want to look at the source. Who is it? And from there we look. We don't start comparing, ever. Lastly, 
Father of all mercy. 2 Corinthians 1 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. What goes around comes around. If you have benefited from the comfort of God, open your eyes to see those who may be walking through similar things and you can come alongside and be a comfort because you can be trusted to know what it's like. Big deal. It's a huge deal. So how do we get along? Avoid this. Don't focus on yourself so much, your trouble, your struggles constantly. Some people, they're just so focused. Like All they talk about is their the junk they're walking through. That's it. It's all they can see. They may need an encourager to come alongside. Instead, pursue this. Focus on others. Be agape, for agape lives in you. Agape is love. The Greek word for love, others-centered, is what that word means. Don't look out for your needs only. Me first, as long as I get the deal, sandwich or sale. It's like, you know, we have our church luncheons. You know, some people go, you know, and the first one's there. Trip people just, ah, I want that one. You know, and they, I'm one of them. <laughs> oh, well, there's no line, right? Like, I, I leave first, so. I, anyway, the point is this. Don't think of yourself only. This is not about just you. And this goes for all kinds of things in life. Even as you talk about things, how about you stop talking about yourself? Start asking questions of the other person. Look out for the needs of others first. Don't be a taker. There are people who are constantly, what can, what can the church do for me? It's not serving my needs anymore, my family's needs. Me, 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 me. Like, really? It's like the, the little guy on uh, uh, Christmas Carol. Me, 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 me. Right? Remember that? Okay. Some of you will get it. Some of you will not. Be a giver. Be a giver, not a taker. You've been created as a giver. Now be it. Act like it. Don't judge. We don't know anyone after the flesh anymore. Just love. Yeah, but they're doing this and this and this and this. Yep, but that isn't who they are. Take a look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this. For the love of Christ controls us. Boom, stop there for a second. That is worth meditating on all week. Right there. It's the love of Christ, the agape of Christ that compels us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one, no one, according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. You get to see each other through the lens of Christ. You get to look at each person here as a new creation. That is who they are. They don't always act like it. This is really hard in our culture, okay, because we're so used to reacting to people's Words, behaviors, and so on. Start acting like who you are. Next. Avoid the attitude of being more right in your discussions. 
when you have a talk with somebody else, isn't it about you being right? It's hard to remember that when you're in a discussion. Pursue instead understanding where the other person's coming from. These are simple things. The tone of supremacy and dogmatism in your voice. Some people can come across like know-it-alls and, and it can appear arrogant. Hopefully you know their heart and hopefully it's not true. So what do you do instead? Goal is to win the heart and love. Your goal is not to win an argument. Your goal is to love somebody. This is very backwards. Outward appearance have it that you have it all together, life figured out. There are some people who walk around as Christians, I know the gospel, I know grace, and I've lived, praise the Lord, everything's wonderful, 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 wonderful. And yet, they're going through hell in their lives. But they'll never let you in because they think they have to live up to the standard. They don't know how to be transparent. These people need to learn how to gently become transparent to trusted people. Instead, humility, teachability, flexibility. Avoid changing people, correcting, being, and being a grace police. You said that wrong. You're supposed to use this word now. You're under grace. Stop it. You sound like a stupid gracilist, legalist, about being right again. As soon as you hit that place, that's not grace anymore. That's disgrace. It really is. Real grace, the fruit of true grace, is agape, gentleness, love. Don't forget these things. The truth that the Holy Spirit is the only one who changes people. I'm just telling you this in love. Those behaviors do not reflect who you are. You're not the one to go confront necessarily. Sometimes you have permission to because you're in a trusted relationship and they've asked you to do that. But if you don't know these people, you don't have a right to go and confront them. You have a greater right. What is that? Focus and pray. You have the right to pray. See, some Christians need to learn to exercise the right to be silent. That'd be really good, you know? But focus, what do we focus on? Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him. Take a, take a look at this. When Christ, who is our life. You don't just have Christ in you. He actually is your life. You possess eternal life right now. You don't get it when you die. You have it now. And you to draw from that life within and live out of that as your source. Love. That's your name. The name of your identity. And some people, they look like their name. Others go through a really hard time. We need to pray for them. Before you confront, before you start lambasting or trying to correct somebody, let me encourage you to be quiet and just pray for them. And it's usually not very fast, which drives personalities like my nuts. Okay? I don't do slow very well. I'm your pastor. <laughs> you know? I need to learn to hear the hearts of people. Same thing with you. Pray for the people that you're concerned about. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. You're not the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need your help. 
when he chooses to use you and bring you into a situation to show you his power, that's great. But he doesn't need your help. As if he, oh, I couldn't do without so-and-so. <laughs> oh, they're not willing to help. I'm lost now. I just can't do this thing on their life because that person's unwilling now. No. The Holy Spirit is big enough to get the attention of every single person here and the ones we're praying for. Will you trust him? Prayer is an act of trust. In fact, I think the next week or two, I want to take a look at the subject of prayer. I haven't touched on it in years. It's time. I've been waiting to do this, you know, working from rest series, but it's going to have to keep waiting. So what? Let's take a look at what this prayer thing is. I bet you some of us don't know how to pray. Or we think we know how to pray because we read a good book on it. The book's not the way to pray. The person in you wants to show you how to communicate with him at a very deep spiritual level. And when you experience that kind of power, your life will change. People see that. People start asking you. You don't have to say a thing. It's gonna, they're going to start coming to you. You okay with that? You okay to let the Holy Spirit do his thing as he continues to renew your mind? I hope so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, none of us have arrived at the full knowledge of who you are. None of us have arrived at the full knowledge of your scriptures. So Holy Spirit, be our voice and our authority. Be our wisdom. Jesus, teach us how to walk in your ways, in your truth, by your spirit, so we don't long after the things of this world and fall into the traps of fleshly patterns, which is not who we are at all. Teach us how to walk by your spirit so our eyes are focused on you the entire time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.